Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 17 of Wild Messy Infinite Love. My name is Eric Snader and this week's episode is called Practice of Presence. And I am so excited to bring this one to you. I first off want to apologize for it being so long since my last episode. It's been what, two weeks? Those two weeks have absolutely flown by for me. It has been absolutely bananas crazy since I finished my semester. I've been working on a summer job that's been taking up a lot of my time. Um, But then I also have a bunch of other side projects that I'm really wanting to give a lot of energy and time and commitment to. Um, There are some books that I really want to get written, and there are stories that I really want to get written. And of course, there are podcast episodes that I really want to get written. And there's time that I want to spend with family, and there's only so many minutes and hours in a day and so many days in a week before they all just kind of get away from you. They all kind of run by. Um, So that's why it's been a little while since I've been able to record a podcast. Life has just been life, which is how life goes, you know? Um, But yeah, I mean, there's some other side projects that I'm working on, and I'm cooking up some other things that might go in tandem with the podcast here in the next couple weeks or months, which I'm really excited about. So if you want to stay up to date with the podcast, I know I haven't really posted much on Instagram, um, but follow me on Instagram. It's esnader18. Um, go ahead and follow me on Twitter. I think it's ericsnader1, maybe. Um, follow me on Facebook. Um, keep on listening to the podcast. Keep on subscribing. Um, all that kind of stuff. If you want to stay up to date, I promise I'll be better at keeping my social media presence, maybe. I don't know. Probably not. We'll see. Um But I'm just having fun with this. I'm having fun creating. I'm having fun putting this out there into the world for you to listen to. So if you want to keep listening, if you want to keep up to date with the stuff that I'm creating, please feel free to follow me. Um, If you don't want to, fine, whatever. You do you. Um, I am in a very euphoric mood right now in regards to creative work. I just listened to Liz Gilbert's book, Big Magic. Oh my God. Atlanta. That book has expanded me and blown my mind in all different ways, shapes, and forms. And I'll probably give some sort of podcast in regards to what I've taken from that book in a couple months' time, maybe a year's time. I don't know. It's going to take me some time to process it. I'm probably going to listen to it many more times. Um, I have it on audiobook, but wow, if you are any sort of creative type and you're looking for an inspirational book, that will really expand your mind and open your mind into the world of creative living, please go and check out Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. It is amazing. Elizabeth Gilbert. I'm not her friend. I'm not even her acquaintance. I probably can't call her Liz. Anyway, this... (laughs) Oh my goodness, I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. Let's... (laughs) Let's get into the podcast practice a presence. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Oh, man.
Okay, let's try to narrow it in here a little bit, guys and gals, and everyone else in between who's listening, because, you know, whatever. Um, This is a wonderful world, and whoever's listening is welcome to be listening. So thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Um, So have you ever had one of those days where you just couldn't wait for it to be over? You know, like the, the sort of day where you wake up and it's cold and it's rainy outside and your seasonal affective depressive disorder is kicking into gear. Um, you know, maybe you had a bad night's rest the night before because your kid was up vomiting half the night. Maybe your boss is just continuously riding your ass to no end for no apparent reason. You know, I don't know, whatever it is, we all have those sorts of days and those moments where we wish we could be anywhere else doing anything else, right? Um, you know, perhaps you're similar to me. Maybe it's not just you're having a crummy day, but your eyes are always fixated on whatever the quote-unquote next step is. Um, so I know for me growing up, I had three older siblings that I watched them grow up. You know, I watched them learn how to drive. I watched them go to prom. I watched them have romantic relationships and get married and go to college and be able to watch PG-13 movies and play video games that were rated M for mature and like all this kind of stuff. My entire life, I was always really discontent with my present predicament. Uh, So like first... It was PG-13 movies. All of my older siblings got to watch movies like Spider-Man or Return of the King or other cool action movies that I wasn't allowed to watch because I hadn't hit that magic number of 13 years yet. And I remember having vivid daydreams of imagining what it would be like to be 13 and to be able to watch those movies and play those video games that had a little bit of extra violence in them. I mean, I even remember sneaking all those things when my parents were out of the house. Um, And for me, it was like tasting the nectar of the gods only to come crashing down when my parents returned. I salivated over the thought of being able to watch these movies and play these games until I was finally 13 and I was finally, quote unquote, allowed or of legal age to do those things. But... Lo and behold, I found that that next step, whatever that next step, was never enough. And then it was on to bigger and better daydreams like getting my driver's permits and then getting my driver's license and, you know, going to prom, getting a girlfriend, going to college, doing all this stuff that I perceived as this is the next step. I don't want to be here. I want to be there. And if you were to ask my mom, she would probably tell you that my head was always off somewhere down the road to put it succinctly i really did not want to be in this moment here i wanted to be in that one over there down the road where i was older where i had things put together where i had a girlfriend where i had all this other stuff uh and i mean even today as i sit here and record this podcast i find myself often casting my vision not to this very moment that I'm in, even as I sit here staring at the microphone, staring at the computer screen, I'm rather in the future. 
Um, I'm thinking about the future me, the me that's a full-time creator, the me that's no longer a seminary student, the me that's a father, the me that has more money than I do now, the me that doesn't live in an apartment, but the me that lives in a house that I pay a mortgage on and all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, to sum it all up, I often find myself casting my vision towards basically the me that I perceive that has it all together, that has life all figured out, um, that doesn't have the worries and the stresses and the anxieties that I have today. And I often, because of that, find myself growing restless in my present moment because I don't feel like I'm there yet. I don't feel like I've accomplished enough. I don't feel like I've done enough. I don't feel like I've actually fulfilled my purpose or found my calling or, you know, whatever else it might be. How many of you have ever resonated with that sort of feeling of I'm not there yet? You know, I'd be willing to wager that many of you do. And what I've come to find is that oddly enough, longing for this future self is really not really all that hopeful. Indeed, more often than not, my vision of tomorrow's me almost never really ends up the way I envision it at all. Um, You know, all the responsibilities and things that I perceive life to be five years from now is never the way it actually pans out. If you would have told me when I graduated college four years ago that I would now be in seminary, I would now be doing podcasting, I would now be looking towards writing and all this other kind of stuff. I would have called you absolutely insane because my heart was set on becoming some sort of church worker, some sort of youth pastor or some, you know, like whatever. Um, So to put it succinctly, there really is no such thing as an accurate five-year plan. And, you know, this isn't because I'm not visioning hard enough. It's not because I'm missing any steps in the process. It's not because I'm forgetting where I want to go. It's simply because we are so keenly shaped and molded by our present moments and circumstances that it becomes impossible to shape the future. You know, our, our futures aren't determined by our mental fortitude. They're based off of the experiences and the decisions that we take in the present moment. And that's not to detract or to base any processes or a visioning or dreaming or hopeful thinking. Um, you know, hopeful thinking, thinking about, you know, where do I want to be in five years? What are some of my dreams? What are some of my goals in life? All these things. That's very good stuff. But in the absence of the realities of the present moment, the absence of actual real life and blood experience, such dreaming and hopeful thinking often prove to just be fantasies. They're just daydreams. Um, Sometimes they come true, but more often than not, they don't. Um, They become stories and narratives that exist in some ethereal, untouchable realm. And that's just what I was doing when I was younger. That's exactly what I continue to see myself doing now. Uh, My daydreams, my five-year plan, my yearning for the quote-unquote next thing are thoughts 
these daydreams. They're this ethereal, untouchable stories and narratives that are so thoroughly divorced from reality. You know, when I was 10 years old, I had no concept of what the different responsibilities were that I would be given once I reached the ripe old age of 13 or 16 or 18 or 21. You know, as a kid, I was always looking forward to when I grow up and become an adult. I had no way of understanding the responsibilities that come in with being an adult, like paying rent and paying bills and doing all this other stuff and making sure that you have food on the table and having a job and, you know, everything else that comes into play when it comes to being an adult. The the commitments that you have to make about family and scheduling out your time and everything. When I was 10, I had no understanding of that. I could never have conceptualized what into what went into putting together a person. Um, I never would have been able to anticipate the responsibilities or time commitments that a podcast takes. Um, you know, I never would have been able to conceptualize what went into putting together an interview with another person or writing out a podcast. Uh, and, you know, even though I couldn't conceptualize what it would actually be like to be, you know, a teenage driver or a boyfriend or a husband, every moment that I've lived has gone into forming what kind of husband I actually am today. So what I mean by that is I had all these great dreams and visions of what kind of husband I would be, what kind of relationship I wanted, you know, all this kind of stuff that I was like, well, this is what it's going to be like. And once I reach that, then I'll know I've made it. But in reality, it's those everyday moments that I'm actually living, not the daydreams, not the visioning, not the hopeful thinking, but the actual moments that I'm in, that I've lived through, that I've experienced. That's what has gone to form what kind of husband and what kind of person I am today. What I was working on and towards in the moment formed who I am today. And I think that would be sort of the first piece of reflection that I would bring to you today as well. So there are like three different reflections that I've processed through in this idea of the practice of presence. Um, so the first one is what we are working on today shapes and forms us. Uh, one of my favorite Disney songs is Go the Distance from the movie Hercules. And I'm going to read the quote to you here. It goes, I'll be there someday. I can go the distance. I will find my way if I can be strong. I know every mile would be worth my while. When I go the distance, I'll be right where I belong. Every mile that we walk is worth our while because every mile that we walk today shapes and forms us into who we are becoming tomorrow. It's a similar idea to that of 
to become a master musician or really a master at anything, you have to put in your 10,000 hours beforehand. And those 10,000 hours are not going to be made real by our daydreaming. You don't practice a cello by saying, man, this is what it would be like for me to practice a cello. You practice a cello in the life-blooded action of picking up the damn instrument and toiling through the tough work of practice. You know, this is the stuff that we wish we didn't have to deal with. Everyone wants to become Yo-Yo Ma, but no one wants to put in the work of actually putting in the hours and hours and hours of practice that he put in to become the master musician that he is today. You know, the stuff that makes us feel like we aren't quite free and liberated it's the it's the drudgery it is the slog it is to quote that liz gilbert book that i just listened to it is the shit sandwich that we sometimes have to eat but what we are working on or through today forms and shapes who we will be tomorrow uh for some of us though this wishing to be someplace else, this lack of a practice of presence. It's not simply just impatience that makes us want to escape the moment. For some of us, we are enduring very real suffering. And this podcast episode by no means is meant to diminish the the need to resist the systems and operations within our society that throw individuals in our communities under the bus. You know, we absolutely should be wishing and hoping and working towards an end to oppression, to racism, to sex trafficking, to the continued exploitation of our planet's resources, and so much more. You know, as we talked about in the last episode, hope is something a little different than wishing away the present moment. Hope is the work towards ending these systems of oppression. Um, And that work is not necessarily rooted in a desire to escape the moment. Rather, it's a desire to be more fully present in the connectional realities of our world. The work towards ending these systems is in itself a working towards being more present to the connectional moment of the now. In another sense, the work towards fixing broken systems is a move towards being present in the here and now. It is a practice of presence. But in so many cases that aren't necessarily having to do with systematic oppression, that aren't having to do with, um, you know, the stuff that is really shitty about our world, Um, some people, so many people just want to escape their problems. I know I was one of them. I wanted to forget completely the breakup that I had to endure during my senior year of college. People want to forget the divorce, the job loss, the anxiety and fear of the unknown. Uh, and while escapism is not necessarily bad in small doses, it's always, not a bad thing to want to just get take a step back and get away from those things that are causing us distress that are causing us pain that are causing us some amount of suffering um you know those broken relationships that we have those are tough to live in day in and day out and escapism in small doses is not bad 
but when it when that escapism leads us to trying to escape the entirety of our present moment of lives and lives that's where it becomes dangerous and this is because when we escape our problems or try to forget them it becomes that much easier for us to not learn and grow for them so we end up repeating these cycles day in and day out and if we aren't learning and growing it's so much more likely for those similar experiences to happen again and again and again if not tomorrow then somewhere down the road so an instance of this is say what you will about the old testament but the book of judges gives us a really good example of this Um, So within the book of Judges, there is this constant cyclical motion. And so the people of Israel have moved into the quote unquote promised land by this point. And they go through the cycle of forget God slash turn away from God slash forget the liberation of their ancestors that their ancestors experienced. So according to the writers of the Bible, this forgetfulness causes Israel to become shackled once more under the thumb of some neighboring country, some neighboring power, some enemy imperial state. And then after they become enslaved to this, Israel would then cry out to God for deliverance. And then God would send someone to rescue them, a judge. And then... Israel would be miraculously rescued. They would be liberated once more. However, once they were rescued, Israel would forget all over again. And the cycle would repeat each time getting bloodier, more chaotic, and just in general worse. So in this narrative of judges, Israel is the personification of someone who is just trying to escape their present moment and their present problems. Rather than taking the time to reflect upon why they were being enslaved time and time again, Israel would simply cry out and expect it to just get better. Instead of learning from the present moment, Israel reverted to a sort of arrested development. They reverted into this rut that could not break. Instead of asking the question, why did my significant other break up with me why was there something that i was doing that maybe caused the relationship to break down instead of doing that they would revert to well it's all their fault it's all their fault it's all their fault and has nothing to do with me and then those same patterns that caused the relationship to break down and the next relationship come up again if we're not willing to actually take on those tough questions of why if we're not willing to learn from those experiences and those moments we're just going to keep on repeating them it becomes a rut that can't that's hard to break it can be broken but it becomes hard to break so my second reflection then is this every moment can be our teacher but we need to be willing to listen and learn from it let me repeat that again every moment can be our teacher but we need to be willing to listen and learn from it we need to be willing to ask the why questions and do the interior work now i know we just kind of like totally bashed the israelites and threw them under the bus for good reason they're is however a nugget within that cycle which must be credited to israel 
Yes, they failed to learn from their mistakes, so to speak, but they also had the humility to cry out. You know, how many of us are stuck in our ruts, but we refuse even to ask for help? How many of us know people who'd benefit from therapy or a spiritual director or just someone being able to listen to them or help them, and yet they refuse to accept that form of aid? You know, we have this macho complex within us that tells us we can do it on our own. No one understands this experience. No one can really help. I don't want to burden anyone, whatever it might be. And this is so utterly destructive and false. It's false. It's dividing. It causes us to view ourselves as a solidarity, as a glitch in the system, a blip that no one else is experiencing. This narrative of no one else understands me, no one else can help me, no one else can bear this burden with me, no one else should bear this burden with me, that is so false. Because one of the amazing things about sharing this planet with 7.53 billion people is that we all experience things, and many of them are similar. One of, a, one of the most beautiful human gifts that we have is something called empathy. The ability to hear someone's experience and view it as if, as if it's a mirror of our own. While circumstances and people and places and names may be different, we all share this human experience. And I guarantee you that if you are feeling something, then someone else is feeling it too. You know, one of the reasons that I love Rob Bell so much is that he gives words and languages to experiences that I myself have had so very often. That's one of the reasons that Elizabeth Gilbert book spoke to me so much is because it gave vocabulary to something that I was feeling deep inside that I didn't necessarily have the vocabulary for. You know, that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast is name the experiences that I've had in the hope that they may resonate with you, the listener. So asking for help is a form of being open with another person. It's a way of in which we let others in to see our experiences and give voice to their own, um, which probably mirror yours. You know, being open with someone is being present in the moment of connection that we all share with our true selves, with the communities around us, and with the world. So my third reflection is this. You are not alone in your moment. So every moment is shaping us and forming us. Every moment is a teaching moment. And every moment is a moment of solidarity with the human experience. Um, one of the possible titles that I had for this before I landed on practice of presence is every moment is a moment because a moment is a, something that shapes us. It's something that teaches us. It's something that we share with others. But how do we actually go about recognizing these moments? Um, well, lucky for you, I've done some of the interior work and have a few thoughts on this as well. So first, we really have to take seriously the art of reflection. 
you know, like navel gazing. There's a reason why people have been asking the big questions of the meaning of life and why we're on this giant space rock in the first place. It's because deep within ourselves, there's a connectional piece which draws us into connection with all things in the cosmos. And there is this greater something that rests within our deepest places. This greater something is that which looks upon our minds. Um, so Pete Holmes talks about it in the sense there that there is something within ourselves which is observing ourselves. So in his book, Comedy, Sex, God, he takes a moment to encourage the reader to sing the song, Happy Birthday, in their head. So I want you to do that right now. Sing the song, Happy Birthday, in your head right now. Even though there is no music going on, your mind can hear the tune within itself. What? What the fuck? It's as if there's an other something that is reflecting and observing our lives. Reflecting and observing. <laughs> Can't talk. The art of reflection then is to tap into this other something in reflecting upon our lives, our actions, and why we feel the way we do amongst other things. This is the internal work, the navel gazing, the part where we really dig into our own minds, which brings me to my second bit of advice. Partaking in some sort of practice of presence is so very helpful to this art of reflection. Whether it's through something like prayer and meditation or exercise, self-care, verbal processing, or whatever else it might be, if there's something that helps you become more aware of your true self, which observes your life, and if there is something that continues to root you in the here and now, then it is worthwhile doing. So I know for me, meditation is something that's been really helpful. This is part of why the contemplative tradition and the mystics are so compelling to me. Their mastering of being still and listening is really helpful for me as I struggle to be more present with and aware of my true self, as I strive to be more rooted in being still because I'm a very restless person. I'm always bouncing from one thing to the next. You could ask my wife or my mom or anyone else who really knows me. I am like a dog with a million toys to choose from. I am all over the place. So taking that moment to be still is something that's really helpful for me. For my wife, something that's been really helpful for her is the practice of journaling, going back and recalling her day to remember what she was feeling and how she, react, she was reacting to those feelings really helped her to process and understand herself at a much deeper level and helped her to maintain rootedness in the here and now, um, you know, one of my favorite, I guess, theological images or one of my favorite ideas comes from C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. And I'm sure I've talked about this already, um, but C.S. Lewis in The Screwtape Letters talks about how it is in the present moment where the veil is thinnest and where we come closest to touching the divine, because ultimately the past is something that is immovable, unalterable, unchangeable. It is solid. Um, it cannot be passed through. Alternatively, the future is so ethereal and unknown, it's impossible to navigate. But the present moment 
is where we are. It is where we are navigating and it is where the divine is found. That is where our rootedness should be is in the present moment, not in the future like me, not in the past, but in the present. So whatever practices help you to remain in the here and now, partake in that. Find it, explore, experiment, and then partake, do it. And then thirdly, I want to give you this final reflection as well. As important as it is to partake in individual spiritual and physical practices that help you to remain in the here and now, it's also really extremely important to do this in community. Uh, you know, for example, I'm very much into the mystical tradition of listening, but on the other side of my coin, I'm also a verbal processor. So after I've taken some time to think about something, I need to talk about it with someone, oftentimes my wife. Even if it's something as trivial as what I'm going to eat for breakfast or the latest soccer news about Chelsea, something my wife really cares nothing about. You know, I'll just talk to her about it because it's bouncing around in my head and I need to get it out. I need to process it in that way. And I need others in my life to help me process through both those trivial aspects of my life, but also the really substantial parts of my life. You know, anytime I've been faced with a really major transition, and uh, the first thing I've always sought out is someone to talk to, about it to. Generally, someone I trust and someone I'm close to. You know, another avenue for this for some would be some sort of community in which you're a part of. Maybe it's church, maybe it's your work community or the local elk club, because I don't know, there may be people who still go to those, maybe, or really any, <laughs> that's such a bad joke. <laughs> wow. Woo. Do not quit your day job, Eric. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, but really any other community in which you come together with people going through a similar experience as you, that's something that's important. The sharing of experiences with others is another way in which we can begin taking our minds out of that other place and begin to find contentment and meaning and rootedness in the here and now. We can start pulling ourselves out of, well, what am I going to be five years down the road into what am I doing now? You know, therapy is another way in which we can begin tapping into our true selves. Um, you know, having a professional who aids us in peeling back the layers and really helps us to dig deep into who we are and why we do the things we do and why we feel the things we feel. Whatever, you know, whatever your practices may be, whatever community you find yourself turning to, whatever name you have for the thing which connects us all, know this, though, that the here and now is where the juice is at. Take it from me, someone who has spent the better part of the last 25 or 26 years pretty much always looking towards, well, what's coming up next? What's coming up down the road? It's fun. It's exciting. Sure. But the juice is here in the actual formation and the life-blooded action of what's going on. So if you can find that through singing happy birthday in your head and discovering your true self in that way, cool. 
if you discover that in meditation or exercising or seeing a therapist or going to church, cool. Because the juice is here, folks, waiting for you to consume, waiting for you to partake. Not just that, not just consume, not just partake. The juice is waiting for you to participate with it. You know, while we may be looking towards the future with hope and anticipation, ultimately, it's what we do now, which begins to shape and mold that future that we hope for. And this is why the Jesus story is so compelling to me, because for the Jesus story, the story of the Israelites, this whole Bible narrative that I see, it's not a story about going some other place. It's not about being transported to the promised land. It's not about being transported to heaven. It's a story about making the world a more expansive and liberated place here and now. Whether you are in the promised land, whether you are in bondage, or whether you are wandering through the wilderness, it's about making the world a more expansive and liberated place here and now. That's what makes the whole Jesus story, the whole Bible thing compelling to me. It's not about waiting to be transported someplace else. It's not about waiting be upgraded to the new model it's about finding the gifts and graces and joys of heaven here in our present situation so may you be people who find rootedness within the present may you be people who find joy contentment and meeting meaning in the here and now may you see that Who you are today is shaping who you will be tomorrow, and therefore today matters. May you remember that every moment is a moment. Every moment is a moment of teaching and learning and growing. May you discover a practice of presence which continues to root you within the joy of presence, of the here and now. And may that presence reveal the continuous, wild, messy, and infinite nature of love, which continues to course through you, through others, and through the very fabric of the cosmos. Peace and love, y'all.